0: So, we've been praying for you. We've been praying for your pastor. We've been praying for Chris, Tara, their family. We've been praying for them as they're on sabbatical. And there's something about being on sabbatical that is good uh, for the pastor, it's good for the church because it reminds us that Jesus is truly the pastor that we need, He is the great shepherd. Uh, that We look to and that your pastor looks to the great shepherd and that the church as a whole looks to the great shepherd We thank the lord for his goodness so I was thinking back about this as it um, As sabbatical brings some memories just in 2019. I was able to enjoy uh, a time of sabbatical And it was challenging and you say well, it shouldn't be challenging it should be fun and should be restful It's challenging for a pastor in this way A pastor doesn't just care for his people and for the church because he has to. The pastor cares for his people and the church because the Lord has called him to that. And we love that he's called us into this work. And uh, it's tough to just say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, it's going to be okay. Lord, take care of uh, all of the good people here at Mercy Fellowship. Lord, do that. While I was on sabbatical, here's what we did. We went to, uh, because we live out west from most of our family, most of uh, our family still lives in Michigan, where we're from, and so we went back east, and then I wanted my kids to experience what they don't get to experience, because all of our kids have been born out west, they've been born on the west coast, and I wanted them to experience something different. I wanted them to experience the east coast. And so we went on a road trip. We got a, uh, this is when gas prices were less, when everything seemed to be less. And uh, we, we flew into Michigan and we got a rental van and we took off and we went to the East Coast and we went there and just enjoyed. I, I love that we got to go see Washington, D.C. and we went to Philadelphia and we went to New York City and there's so much to see. There's so much history there. Uh, one of my favorite sites Uh, was actually in New York, uh, where we got to go to Ellis Island, and all of the people, and all of the history, all of the lives that came through there, and uh, all that God did, uh, even in orchestrating many of those lives to be influencers in our country today, and we went to Ellis Island, but then we went uh, to see the Statue of Liberty on Liberty Island, and if you've ever been there, it's it is overwhelming to witness those massive feet, the massive feet to stand, that stand on that huge pedestal. I, I heard of her beauty. Speaking of the Lady Liberty, that statue there. I'd heard of her beauty, but to see her revealed in that way, it was stunning. It's something that I'm just going to hold on to, and I I hope to do it again. And just, if you get that opportunity, uh, I hope that you get to see her. Because, you know, you can see her in a movie, and she's in so many movies. You can see her on a postcard. You can uh, see pictures of her and read about her in books. But to witness the Colossus that is the Statue of Liberty in person, wow, that was another level of experience. For us, for our family, for me. Now, I, I want to just tie that in because it's going to draw us right into where we're headed in God's Word today. The sermon title for this morning is Revealed. Revealed, just as the Statue of Liberty was revealed to us in all of her majesty. Today, we are meant to see and get our hearts trained on gazing, gazing at the Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to see the king of heaven in a fresh way. And so if you have a Bible this morning, would you take it out? If you uh, have one around you, would you open it up? Would you find very quickly in the second half of your Bible, uh, the book of Matthew? We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 17 today. And you might even see as you look at Matthew 17, there might be a a heading over uh, that chapter that says the transfiguration where you will get to see Jesus in all of his glory, the way he is meant to be seen, the way he has truly has been since eternity past. And we look forward to seeing how he will uh, appear when we see him face to face, when we stand before him. So let me give you a little context. I always think context is important because when we read something and we read it ripped out of context, we lose what? Uh, is it would be seeing the Statue of Liberty not on Liberty Island in New York. You say, this is, this is amazing, but I, I need to see it in the context in which it was meant to occur. So I, I just want you to think about chapter 16, obviously precedes chapter 17. And to help us understand what the Lord wants to reveal to us today, we must look back to this. And before we go any further, I'm just going to ask for you to to stop right now, and I'm going to ask you that you would pray with me that the Lord would reveal himself to you today from his word. Would you just pray with me? Father in heaven, we open your word today, and we, we trust that you're going to speak, and you have preserved this for us for thousands of years, and it is fresh again today because of the power of the Holy Spirit Father, I pray that you would reveal the Son, and I pray, Holy Spirit, you would reveal the Son, and as we see the Son, we would experience the Father, and we would understand how much you love us. I pray that even if we have read this passage many times, that today we would see you with fresh eyes, that you would touch us, that you would change us, that we would walk away from this place today different because we met with you, the living God. All praise to the strong name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let me just give you the little context here that that will set up our study in Matthew 17. Matthew 16 says this, that Jesus was revealed. He was revealed as the Messiah to his disciples in a beautiful manner. It began with a question. Jesus asked his disciples, he said, Who do people say that I am? And he just said, I, I want to hear from you. Who do people say that I am? Because there were many opinions about who Jesus was. And he wanted to hear from them. And they, they gave those opinions. And some say, you're one of the prophets. And some say, you're John the Baptist. Come back. No, that's Eastern mysticism. We don't believe in that. Uh, they just shared the common opinions. And then Jesus took that. And he said, now I want to ask you another question. He made it very, very personal. He said, who do you say that I am. We've talked about what, who other people think I am. We've talked about that. They gave those opinions. And now Jesus turns to his own disciples, and he said, who do you say I am? And it really is, there's some pressure here. Because the disciples are saying, we know what other people are saying, but now he's asking us, and we must, we must respond. And I have to tell you that when Jesus says these words, Who do you say I am? He's asking it of each of us. This is the most important question that you will ever answer in your lifetime. No matter if you're given short amount of years or long years, this question right here is the most important question. It determines not only how you will live, but it determines how you will spend eternity. Who do you say Jesus is? Peter answered, We love this. We love this about Peter. He spoke up and he said, You are the Christ. You're the the Son of the living God. Jesus applauds him for this. He said, That was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. You didn't come up with that on your own, Peter. I know you. You didn't come up with that, but the Father in heaven has revealed that to you. And he says, Wow, you're blessed because of this. Jesus then began to reveal something else as they now know who he is and Jesus has affirmed that yes I am the Messiah. It's been revealed by my father. Jesus begins to reveal something else. He reveals that he must suffer and die He, he goes into great detail about how it's going to happen In fact, if you were there you'd say how could the disciples have missed this? He was so explicit in what he shared jesus shares that but peter says hey hey hey, 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 we can't have any more of that negative talk peter confronts jesus he wants no part of that negative talk about suffering and dying we are to get on with the good news about victory we're to get on with the good news about winning that's what peter wants to hear he doesn't want to hear about jesus suffering and dying in that context jesus now turns to peter and it's his turn to confront peter has confronted jesus now jesus will confront peter and peter says get behind me satan so strong how could he say that to one of these disciples whom he loved how could he say to him as if he were speaking as satan himself it is because peter has a clear agenda and his agenda was in opposition to christ and his agenda. We have two different agendas here. And it is very clear that Satan has an agenda and Christ has an agenda. And Peter, when he says no to Christ's agenda, that means he's aligned with and speaking as Satan would speak and say, I want my agenda over your agenda. I do not want to submit to your agenda. Jesus then begins to speak of God the Father's agenda, and his agenda is this, salvation. Salvation, submission, and salvation, but he doesn't back away from that. That will include suffering, and ultimately, yes, yes, Peter, there will be victory. Yes, there will be glory. There will be opportunity. And so if you have your Bible open in front of you, I want you to just look at verses 27 and 28 out of Matthew chapter 16, and this will lead us right in to the transfiguration, the revealing of Jesus. Here's what it says. For the Son of Man, Jesus speaking, is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, can we just agree that what we are holding in our hands, what we have just read, what we will continue to read, this is the word of God for us, amen? As we see this, Jesus is speaking prophetically here. He's speaking about what is yet to be. He is speaking about what is coming and is not yet. And sometimes when we speak about the future, it can seem a long way off, and then Jesus short-circuits that, and he says this. There are some standing right here, and he's just speaking to his disciples. There are some standing right here that will not die. They will not taste death until they see the Son of Man, that is a, a great term, especially out of the book of Daniel, describing the Messiah, the Son of Man, in his kingdom. Now, I have to tell you, as you read this, you get to the end of verse 28, and we all pause because we have a break right there in our Bibles, and we see that chapter 17 starts. But this is one of those places where you can know that chapter divisions are not inspired. They are so helpful. But this is one of those places where if you would just knit verse 1 of chapter 17, right into the same breath of chapter 16, verse 28, it would benefit you to see the timing that Jesus was speaking about. In fact, I'm just going to read verse 1 here of chapter 17. It says this, And and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And so we're we're seeing this. He's saying, there's some of you that are standing here today that will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And six days later, and six days later, this event will occur. They will see Jesus in his kingdom. Now, I, I need to just note something here. If you are reading the Gospel of Luke, Uh, where Luke is recording this, he says it's eight days later. And I'm going to tell you that some people have thrown away their faith over a discrepancy like that. And it's not very difficult to ratify and understand how those two things are the same. This is where we say Matthew is saying it's literally six days later, but Luke, who is a stickler for details, saying I'm going to include the day on which Jesus spoke this, not the next day, and the day after, eight days he will get it in there eight days. And if you know anything about Eastern uh, thought and how they calculated days, if it touched that day at all in time, it's a full day. It's a full day. And so Luke is going to say eight days. And you say, why, why are we talking about this? Because I want you to understand that God's word does not deny itself. It is not in opposition to itself. Luke and Matthew are saying the same thing, that when Jesus said this would happen, Six days later according to matthew eight days later according to luke This is where we see it happen now. Let's just understand this The revealing and what it means to us. Would you look at your bible? With me in fact, I I wouldn't have you go any further than to underline in your bible in verse one If you're somebody who is uh, a note taker, make sure you get this In verse one underline after six days. Jesus said some of you won't taste death after six days He's going to show them the kingdom. Let's read verses 1 through 13 so you can see it. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to him, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Verse six. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. You will see him do this very same thing again at the beginning of the book of Revelation where he touches John after he has hit the deck where he's on his face. But Jesus came and touched them and saying, Rise and have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And they were coming down the mountain. Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. He's not backing away from the suffering. He's not backing away from his death. And the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say that Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come. And he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands that the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist you now have the transfiguration of Jesus the revealing of Jesus before you and I want to share with you four observations that are meant to impact your life today in 2022 July the 10th, 2022, this passage is meant to touch you, that you would see Jesus even as those disciples saw him. I want to share with you those observations and these points. Uh, I, I didn't come up with them on my own. I'm just going to be uh, right up front with you that uh, one of the pastors who I look up to who is no longer with us, his name is uh, Pastor Warren Wiersbe. I love his, his writings. I got to meet him when I was in my early 20s. And I had no idea really who he was. I didn't know of his ministry. Now I know how gifted the Lord used this man to pastor and to teach and to write. And one of the great things is that I know that this pastor, Warren Wiersbe, he is now witnessing what Peter, James, and John saw because he has passed Into eternity, and he is with Jesus in glory. So let's dive into this. If you're a note taker, would you get this? I'm gonna give you four things. Number one is this that it would be revealed to you, that you would have revealed to you today the glory of his person. Wow, how close is that train? That's a little unnerving. Yeah, yeah. Woo! All right, that's good. That the glory of his person, and they blew the horn. All right, the trumpet. Let me just uh, bring you into this. When you see the revealing of Jesus in His person, you're noticing that He is radiant. The radiance of His glory was evidence in His face, in His clothing, and they. It says this: they became white as light, white as light. I mean, it would have been blinding to look at Jesus. And then it says, Moses and Elijah appeared from heaven in some visible form, and they talked with Jesus. This one of those things that you need to notice that that tells you that there is a conscious existence that follows death. There is a conscious existence that follows death. When people tell you that, no, you just go into the grave and that's it, that is not what the Bible teaches. If they tell you, no, you're just going to become someone else and you're going to go around again, that is not what the Bible teaches. As far as this record is concerned, this is the only time that Jesus is revealed in his glory in this way. In the time he spent on earth, you don't get to see him in his glorious appearance while he is ministering here on earth. And one of the things you see here, that the word transfigured, he was transfigured, he was transformed in front of them. And the word that we use in English is metamorphosis, metamorphosis. And that word translated uh, metamorphosis is a change on the outside that comes from the inside. It is a change on the outside that began and works its way out from the inside. When a caterpillar builds a cocoon and later emerges as a butterfly, it is due to the process that we call metamorphosis. Jesus is changed in front of them. It's not saying, one day I will look like this. Jesus is saying, I've always been in glory until the incarnation, and then soon and very soon I will be found in this appearance again. Jesus' glory was not reflected very different than what we see in other places. It was not a reflection, but it was radiant. It was radiating from within him. His glory was working its way out. There was a change on the outside that showed what was truly in him, who he was. And I'm going to have to tell you, if you were there, I, I I would have been scared. I would have been excited. I would have been amazed as Jesus was revealed in all of his glory in front of them. What a event to take in. In fact, I want you to think about this. Many years later, John, Peter, James, and John, who was there, John recalled this event as the Spirit guided him to write this in John chapter 1 verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, listen to what he, this is what he's speaking of, this event right here, and we have seen his glory, the glory of As of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen it. I'm an eyewitness of it, John writes, of his glory. And he is speaking of the transfiguration of Jesus. As I think about this idea of having revealing, the revealing of Jesus, the revealing we are people Especially here in the West. We are people who love to have mysteries revealed. I can remember when the Titanic was found. And the mystery of where this ship that had gone down so many years before. Where it had been and where it is till this day. And the mystery was revealed. When the mystery of what it looks like to walk on the moon. What it looks like to be on that globe out in the sky that we can see. But I think we understand it better in this way. When we go to, and this is very, very popular now, when you go to a gender reveal party. Have you been to a gender reveal party? A gender reveal party, they do it in all kinds of different ways. They cut the cake, and is the frosting on the inside? Is it blue or is it pink? They blow the balloons up, and the balloon explodes. And is it blue or is it pink? They shoot off the confetti cannon. Is it blue or is it pink? Isn't it interesting that that's the only colors that it comes in, no matter what society says? That we're doing gender reveal parties we love that we're people who love to have things revealed to us, and here is Jesus being revealed in his glory. The clothes are brilliant, his face shone like the sun. That should immediately make you think of if you know the Old Testament anyway of Moses that he had to drape the veil over his face because he was reflecting, reflecting what The radiance of God's glory is different for Moses. He reflected the glory of God. Jesus radiates the glory of God. Jesus is not uh, reflecting the glory of God. He radiates the glory of God. And I know that artists over time have tried to capture this scene. In fact, I have got a picture for you. Do you have that one picture for us where it shows the transfiguration? Here it is. Uh, one of those amazing paintings that is put on the, the ceiling of a, a chapel. In fact, this one uh, I'm just going to tell you it is uh, by Dean Olay in 1694 at Saint Jacob's Church and Jacobskirk. And so, if you get to Jacobskirk, you can go to Saint Jacob's Chapel and you can see this. And I'm going to tell you, we cannot capture this because. All of our palette of color and light does not have enough to show the glory of God, to show what Jesus is like. In fact, again, this is what I think God wants for us today is that we would see Jesus for who he truly is. And when you see him for who he truly is, you will agree with Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who you are. And when I see you for who you are, it is meant to change me. So number one, that you would see the person of Jesus revealed. Number two, that you would get this today, that it would be revealed the glory of God's kingdom. Do you remember what Jesus said? Some of you will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, in the glory of his kingdom. And we have to ask the question, why are these people here? why are only these people why only those disciples why moses and elijah let's answer that one first perhaps as i read this week again it says perhaps these two men moses and elijah and then the disciples along with them suggest all the categories of people who will be on the earth when jesus comes to rule and reign on the earth when jesus comes as he said to rule and reign you will find these categories of people. The disciples will represent the individuals who will be present in their physical bodies. There will be people who are still alive who will be there when Jesus comes to rule and reign. We call that the second advent of Jesus. The first advent, we celebrate that with at Christmas time. We, we rejoice that he took on flesh and that he was found among us. But we are looking forward to the second advent when he comes to set everything right. So first the disciples those who will be present in their physical bodies and then moses who represents all the saved individuals who have died in the past who who have died and gone to be with jesus they will be there with with the savior as well moses represents those who have died and then there's elijah why elijah why these why these two men Elijah represents the saved individuals who have not experienced death but have been caught away. Elijah, if you know the story about Elijah, that he was caught up while still alive and taken to be with the living God, that God caught him away. And so you have these three categories of people. These three groups of people will be present when Christ institutes his kingdom on the earth. See, one of the things as you look at an account like this and you just begin to dig a little bit, there's so much here, there's so much gold that you will never get all the gold mined out of God's word. And that's what makes you say, let's go for more. Let's dive in. Let's see all that is here as much as we can understand. Furthermore, the Lord will be there in his glory. Not only will these three groups of people be there, but Jesus will be there in his glory as he was at the transfiguration the kingdom will take place on earth and so Jesus is fulfilling what he spoke in 16 in this chapter 16 verse 28 it said some of you will not taste death, death until you see the son of man in his kingdom coming in his kingdom 6 days later they got to see it i love that god always 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 fulfills his promise and he did that number three would you write this down today what's revealed to us today about jesus is that we get to see the glory of the cross and why that makes such he makes such a big deal about it and he would not back away from it even when peter confronted him he would not back away from his suffering and the cross he wouldn't go away from it when i walked into the church today immediately i, I saw the cross at the center of in the front of the room around the world christians will not back away from the reality of the cross why is that because jesus would not back away from the reality that the cross was so necessary for us it was for us in fact this is where you go to other gospel accounts and read and get a little more understanding out of luke you see Moses and Elijah, those two men there, obviously they were understandable, and many, many artists have tried to distinguish how did they know which one was Moses and which one was Elijah. Most of the artists who painted in the past, always Moses always has the Ten Commandments with him. I'm not sure that he's carrying the Ten Commandments for all of eternity, okay? I'm just going to dispel that for us. But they were trying to help us with that in some way. But here's what Luke says about Moses and Elijah and what they spoke to Jesus about. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. The word there, Old English word, is Exodus, about Jesus, his exit, his death. And they spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. I love those words. Which he was about to accomplish. Whatever Jesus sets out to do, he does. Whatever he sets out to accomplish, he will bring it to completion. And he is speaking to Moses and Elijah. And I don't know, we don't have what it's saying here, but are they saying, Jesus, are you ready? Are are you ready to, to finish the work? Are you excited to finish the work? We're excited to see you again in in this, that you have been serving here, incarnate, in the flesh. And they, I mean, what are they speaking of? It tells us that they spoke of his departure, his exit. Moses and Elijah talked with Jesus about his exodus, his departure, his death. His suffering and death would not be an accident, it would be an accomplishment. Peter used the word exodus of his own death in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. And so for the believer, death is not a one-way street into oblivion, as so many of our movies tell us today. It is an exit. It is a release from the bondage of this life into glorious liberty, into the life that is in heaven. They are conscious. Moses and Elijah are conscious we will be with them when we pass into the glory of the savior what is revealed is the glory of the cross here's the fourth thing for us today would you would you get this the glory of his submission jesus reveals at the transfiguration not only the brilliance of his clothes not only the the bright uh, face like the sun but the beauty of his submission You see, Peter, that's why we had to give chapter 16 for that context. He could not get his arms around why the Son of God would submit to evil men and willingly suffer and die. I don't want talk like that. I don't want that negative talk. We're positive people here. Peter confronting Jesus. The transfiguration was God's way of teaching Peter and us that Jesus is glorified when we deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow him. Jesus would not ask you to do what he was not willing to do. Jesus would not ask you to do what he is not willing to do. He's not going to ask you to deny yourself if he wasn't willing to deny himself. He's not going to ask you to take up your cross when he, if he was not willing to take up his cross. Jesus is asking you to follow him. See, here's the world's philosophy and it is very clear today. The world's philosophy is this, save yourself. But Christian, you have a different philosophy. The philosophy of Jesus and of Christ is this, yield yourself to God. So different. The world says, save yourself, you are number one. Think about you first. Jesus is saying, yield yourself to God. And watch what I'll do. As he stood there in his glory, Jesus proved to the three disciples that surrender always leads to glory. And if you want a statement to hold on to, get this today. First the suffering, then glory. First the cross, then the crown. If you're going through some suffering right now, if you're suffering in One of the many ways we experience in this broken world, I want you to understand that Jesus understands suffering. He gets it. He gets what you're going through. In fact, he's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us. He's still in it with us. And he's saying, first it's the cross, and then it's the crown. The crown is coming. You say, well, I only want the crown. And Jesus said, that didn't work that way for me. And it's not going to work that way for you but the crown is coming Peter I love Peter in this and if you if you know anything about Peter he just can't help but run his mouth and so he begins to speak and you hear him speak and he he shouts out to Moses and Elijah and to Jesus and he's saying Lord if it's good I'll build a a tabernacle I'll build a tent a hut for each of you, I'll, I'll, build, I'll build three. This is the beginning of the kingdom. He's putting it together that they are getting to see the kingdom. He, Peter is catching part of it. And he, as he's speaking, he's speaking of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, which had a double way of looking. It looked backward to the wanderings of the people of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, and it looked forward to Israel's enjoyment of God's blessing when they would all be gathered into the land and the Messiah would reign. So Peter is correct in understanding what's taking place. He knew he's getting to see the kingdom being ushered in. He's getting to see part of it, but he was off on his timing because he still didn't want that suffering piece. He still didn't want that that suffering. He didn't want the cross. He only wanted the crown. You say, why is this last point so important for us? Well, here in the West, here in America, we do not prize and we do not value suffering. We do not prize and we do not value submission. In fact, last weekend we celebrated that we, as a country, we threw off the shackles. We threw off the tyranny of the King of England, King George III. We threw it off. We do not like submission. And we celebrate. Listen to these words again. I want you to see something as we focus on that last part where Jesus gets to hear from his Father. And we get to listen in. Verse 5. He was still speaking, Peter, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, listen to these words. In fact, I would have you do this right now. If you haven't underlined these words, would you do that today in your Bible? Because these words are for you. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen. Listen. To him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. As I read this, I've never thought of it in this way. Why didn't the disciples hit the deck? Why didn't they get down on the ground? Why weren't their faces toward the ground when Jesus was revealed in glory? Why didn't they get down? on their faces when his clothes were transformed in front of them and they were white and brilliant when his face shone like the sun. When they saw Moses and Elijah next to Jesus, why didn't they hit the deck? It is when they hear the voice of the Father speak that they finally submit, hit the deck, Show the reverence that is meant to be. Listen, I I want you to hear this. The Father spoke, and the Father is still speaking. If you're a Christian, I want you to hear the words that the Father spoke to Jesus and about Jesus as he speaks to you today. He speaks these words over you because of the finished work of Jesus in your place. The Father in heaven says of you, you are loved. You are my beloved. You are worth it. You're worth dying for. You were worth the life of the Son of God. You are so deeply loved, but you need to hear it again. Some of us today desperately need to hear these words said to us. You are my son. You are my daughter. You, with you, I'm, I'm so pleased. With you, I'm so pleased This is what caused the disciples to get down. It wasn't even the transfiguration of Jesus that brought the disciples down into the right posture. It was the words of the Father speaking. And what did he speak? He spoke of his love for his son. And he speaks that same love to you because of his son. And you might not be able to grasp that even today and say, no, 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 I'm not somebody who is worthy of that. And the father says, because of Jesus, you are. And I am so pleased with you. But you if you know what I've done, I know what you've done. Do you know what my son was willing to do for you? And when you know what Jesus has done for you and you've received that beautiful gift of new life through Jesus, then you get to hear the Father speak over you. You're my son. You're my daughter with you. I am so pleased. That may have to sink in for a while. Today, as we have opened God's word, Jesus has been revealed to us. Jesus, the one who keeps his promises. Jesus, the one who was willing to suffer. Jesus, the one who said, I will bring my kingdom. Jesus, the one who is in glory at this time and who you will see through faith in Jesus alone. And I take great comfort in this, that the Holy Spirit is speaking today. And he is saying to us, see him again. For who he is see him again for who he is be amazed again and then listen 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 to what the father says of you because of Jesus I want to just pray for us right now that we would fix our eyes again on Jesus. Would you join me as we pray?